0: Your Locked On Sabres, your
1: daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jack Eichel returns to Buffalo and PGK is hoping to extend its win streak to nine to match the jersey number. Jack Eichel, it is a crossover edition today with Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And both Lockdown VGK and Lockdown Sabers, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Lockdown VGK at Tony Dasco at TD Chris G. He is at Sneaky Joe Sports. And please subscribe to our YouTube channels. Welcome again, Joe. It's uh, great to see you and hear you once again. Uh, it's uh, today. I think that hmm. a lot of the fans i have been pointing to uh, both in Buffalo and here in Las Vegas. And the way that we'll break things down on this show today, uh, first, uh, we will ask you, Joe, about the Sabres. Second Mm -hmm. segment, uh, you can ask us questions about the VGK third, keys and thoughts to tonight's game. So, first of all, the big uh, elephant or saber in the room,
2: Uh, we've (laughs) got uh,
1: Jack Eichel's return to Buffalo tonight. Will the crowd reaction be much better than we saw in the first meeting on March the 10th of this past year? What will the crowd reaction be like for Jack Eichel? Will they let it? Will they let him hear it? Will mm-hmm. it be a hostile environment tonight once again?
0: Yeah. For any of those watching on YouTube, Chris is nodding his head, and I think he's got the right attitude on this one. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be much more positive of a reception than it was last year. I actually thought that we could have gone forward, and it would have kind of tamed down. But I think when Jack Eichel and post game. Uh, after last year's game took a little bit of a shot at the fans, I think that fired things back up, maybe turned it up to 11. So I don't know that it's going to be like this going forward every time the Sabres play the Golden Knights. But, yeah, uh, uh, tonight's game, Thursday night's game, I would expect that every time he touches the puck, you're going to hear boos that if his name gets mentioned in pregame introductions on the away team, you're going to hear boos every time he gets hit. You're going to hear a raucous ovation. Uh, I would say it's going to be very similar to last year, if not even more so, because unlike last year when the Sabres were having a lot of problems filling up their building, um, and that's not all on them. A lot of it's on them because they've had an 11-year playoff drought here, but part of it is 20% or or even more. Uh, there's rough estimates on like what their season ticket base is from Southern Ontario, and last year, the border was still closed, or there were a lot of um there's a lot of stuff going on there so now that it's fully open i would expect a pretty close to full crowd if not uh right at a sellout um so i think the percentage of negative response will be the same but you might hear it from more people uh tonight so i would say yes
2: yeah no that's definitely uh fair and uh Quality of spinal tap reference going up to to eleven earlier, by the way, awesome. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing, and forgive me about my, my voice, folks. We're we're gonna battle through this one. We'll get through it. I promise. Um, Jack Eichel in Vegas, for lack of better term, has been a model citizen. Mm-hmm. The most controversial thing he's done was actually after that game last year in Buffalo, taking the shot at the fan base about the uh, amount of people in the seats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My question is, does that surprise you that? he's kind of taken on a new direction. I don't really,
0: you mean in terms of like him being like a model citizen? Yeah. I mean, this
2: great team player, he's very loved and adored here. It's something that he hasn't had a lot of.
0: Yeah. It it depends what you, what you believe from his time here in Buffalo. Cause I never really have subscribed to the idea that he was this bad locker room teammate or this locker room cancer. I always thought that was blown way out of proportion and that, a lot of fans just wanted to find a reason for why it didn't work with him here. And I think oh, the reasons why it didn't work go well beyond things like that. I, I would see with my own eyes. Oh, he's sitting there with Victor Olsson in his first game in the NHL with the iPad showing him where to be on the power play. You know, he's the first guy that's hugging Dylan cousins when he's skating off the ice for his first NHL goal. Kyle look Poso who is now the captain of the Sabres at every turn has defended Eichel and his job as a leader and his job in the locker room. I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't Jonathan Taze or Mark Messier as a captain. They put the C on him probably way too early. He was like 20 years old when they did it. Um, So I don't want to say that he was like, you know, leading the charge at every moment, but I don't really ever think he was that bad. And he was very involved in the community. You know, his work with Roswell park, the uh, cancer Institute here in Buffalo, So I always thought that stuff got blown way out of proportion. So for me personally, it's not that surprising that he's, you know, he's acting that way in Las Vegas. And that now that he's involved with a winning culture, that um, that all that noise has kind of gone away again. That's not for me to say that he was perfect when he was here with some of that stuff. But I, I think the problems in Buffalo were well beyond, you know, him and his character and whatnot.
1: Joe DiBiase is our guest. Again, we're on our crossover with Lockdown Sabres. And Joe, of course, a popular radio host on WGR in Buffalo as well. And Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs, uh, two players that were sent to Buffalo in exchange for Eichel. Can you bring us up to date on how they're fitting in there in Buffalo with the Sabres?
0: Yeah. So starting with Alex Tuck, I think Alex Tuck has been a dream Um, in an era or in a in a period of Sabres hockey here where their GM, Kevin Adams gets up at the podium multiple times and says, we want guys that want to be here. And, you know, that's a hard starting point when you're on an 11 year playoff drought and you can't fill up your building. And it just feels like a dark, depressing uh, place in the NHL. Here comes Alex Tuck who. He's not quite like from their backyard, like Syracuse, New York is, you know, it's a couple hour drive down the road, so it's not that far, but grew up a Sabre fan, grew up next door to former Sabre, Tim Connolly, and he's just been exactly what the Sabres have wanted of a guy that wants to be a Buffalo Sabre, but that's only so good if you're actually a good player, right? Like you could be a, you could want to be a Buffalo Sabre, but you score two goals in the entire season and who cares? Um, Tuck has been great. Um, he's about 0.8 points per game so far, 44 points, uh, in 54 games for the Sabres after coming back from that injury. that you guys know he had last year? Um, he's been great. He's been playing on the top line. He's really sparked Tage Thompson, I think in the last, uh, 12 months. He's on a tear.
2: He is on a tear right now. Oh my goodness.
0: Thompson's been unbelievable. Talk's a big part of that though, because Thompson's not, it's not your traditional number one center where you'd think of, Oh, he's driving play and he's playmaking and he's carrying the puck. Thompson does do some of that, but his number one attribute is scoring and his shot. And that'll Tuck has kind of taken on the responsibility of, okay, I can carry the puck more. I could play, make, I could skate through the neutral zone with speed and set things up. So I think Tuck has been fabulous. He's been just what the Sabres have wanted out of him. Um, And then on the other side of the trade, Peyton Krebs, there have been moments, there have been flashes. The consistency is not there yet. He's still young. So we've we've learned with Tage Thompson, not to write off a prospect because that guy was at ground zero and then boom, he's suddenly a 40 goal scorer. Um, But I think Krebs, you know, there are things to build on with him. He's playing in the bottom six. So, you'd like to see more from him at some point, but I don't think there's a lot of pressure on him yet to be like, Oh, you got to play 20 minutes a night and be a 50 point guy. So Tuck's been a dream. Uh, Krebs has been pretty good. And then, you know, the picks that they got, well, uh, will I'll let you know in three years. It's Fair long. enough.
2: Um, yeah. I've, I've always said Alex Tuck, in my opinion, is one of, if not the hardest player in the league to stop when he has a full head of steam going across the neutral zone. It's yeah. just amazing to watch. He has so many coast to coast goals and, to your credit, he's been. He was also a model citizen here in Las Vegas. Very loved. Uh, a lot of appearances, things like that. Um, little fun fact about not not so fun fact about Peyton Krebs. You know how he logged his first NHL shot on goal?
0: I do not know this. No,
2: he took a puck off the jaw, broke his jaw, and uh, went to hit the goalie.
0: Really, <laughs> that's how that happened. I remember he had the jaw injury. Wow.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I I was really high on Krebs, the story about him kind of falling on the draft board uh, with the Achilles injury that happened like weeks before the draft. That was just uh, absolutely terrible. And I think Krebs will develop and he'll certainly uh, fit in nicely with uh, the stable of talent that, uh, that Buffalo has. Um, So on that, you mentioned stuff about the uh, season ticket uh, base and stuff like that. Um, How is the attendance going right now? Are they trending the right direction? Is it uh, a much different environment year over year and, uh, Uh, Can we credit Alex Tuck with a lot of that? I guess you
0: could you could you could give him a little bit. I'm sure it it's it's a hard question to answer because I I think what you hear from the team once in a while, even not like in public, but even behind the scenes a little bit is it's going to take years for our, for them to rebuild their season ticket base it's not yeah. all about the border being closed and and whatnot that was a part of it because again that's like over 20 percent of their so season
2: what why let's let me i'm let me cut you off i'm so sorry but why it. is the season ticket base low in general is it because of the the performance on the ice or what, what do yeah. you attribute that to no
0: re- like really that's it like at some point <clears throat> fans just i mean they had been loyal right like you know, year five of not making the playoffs, year six, year seven, year eight, like they were still there. They were still filling up the arena. They were still optimistic uh, about the team and hopeful. And then just, you know, the pandemic hit. And I think that was a, a marking point of like, we just, we can't do this anymore. Like fans spending thousands of dollars a year on a product that you haven't seen, you know, b- pay, pay out for you, make, make it money worth in over a decade at some point i think fans just they they kind of lost hope on it now i think they're building that back up i think the season ticket base is incrementally going back up but you know when when you lose that percentage of your season ticket base um it it's, it takes years to recover from it so i it's going in the right direction you're seeing games where the building is half empty on tuesday night against arizona that was the case but Last year, you saw very few games where the building was full and already you saw the opener. It was a packed house. Um, They played a Saturday game against Florida where it was that I would imagine tonight against the Golden Knights. It's going to be the same way. So it's going in the right direction. But I I would think this is at least a year, two years, uh, and they need to really put a good team on the ice. I think before we're talking about, oh, yeah, they're selling out the building every night like they used to.
1: Joe DiBiase is our guest locked on Sabres. You saw a lot of Bruce Cassidy back there in Buffalo. Of course, is this one of his better coaching jobs? I'd like to get your perspective if we can. Yeah. Uh, did you see this coming out of the Vegas golden Knights and especially this early in the season?
0: I did. I, I love Bruce Cassidy. I always loved him as the Bruins head coach. Um, he's a very, it it's a, it's a work environment or a job that you don't see a lot of creative thought, you know, like, it's kind of the old thing, right? Like uh, a young player plays bad. I'm going to stick him on the bench and like, you know, put him up in the press box or a uh, big player comes through the doors. Like this happened with Taj Thompson here at Buffalo. Don Granado, I think has a lot of the same traits. Cassidy does where, yeah, he's six, seven. And every coach has tried to make him a power forward, but he like, he plays like he's five ten. and you know what? Yeah. I'm going to let him play that way. And I feel like Cassidy is he's, Proven to be very data driven in the past, very uh, based on information and whatnot and not set in his ways. So from what I saw in Boston, I always liked the job he did and like the way he approaches the job itself. So no, I wasn't really that surprised. Um, at the at the success he's having in Vegas, the only thing I thought might hold him back is is their goaltending situation would mm-hmm. hold up, and we can get to that when we talk about the Golden Knights more. But no, I, I've always liked Cassidy, and um, I'm not stunned at all that it's going as well as it is in Vegas.
2: Uh, we had a big problem in under the DeBoer era with no identity, like no identity, yeah. and just kind of strange in the post game pressers and no get accountability, a lot right? Yeah, exactly. No accountability so, either. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm asking now, Joe, is. Pardon me. I'm fighting through this. We'll get through it, folks. We'll get through it. I promise. I think um, you're doing
0: great. I think you're doing great. Yeah.
2: Talk, yeah. talk to me about the identity of the Bruins teams under Cassidy. What, what did you oh, – the Boston Bruins are coming to Buffalo tonight. What yeah. did you expect as a fan, as a reporter, as, as everything? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, I'm trying to not get stuck in the way they used to be, which was – and, like, there was a little of this, but 10 years ago, like, the last time, honestly, the Sabres were good – the Bruins were the team. They just couldn't get over the hump. Like they just, it was, that they, they consumed the Sabres and Sabres fans. And like the organization too, they made moves to get tougher because the Bruins would just bully them. And that's like Blue Cheech and that's Chara in his heyday um, and Marshawn just coming on. So like they would bully you and they still did that under Cassidy, but Cassidy I felt like his team's identity was they were going to boat race you. They were going to outskate you up and down the ice. Like Like they were going to unleash that Marshawn, Posternak and uh, Bergeron line. And they were just going to control play. You know, they were going to be willing to take chances um, while still maintaining that, Hey, we're the Boston Bruins and you're not going to push us around. So I feel like, He balanced that very well with the city he was in, the team that he had, while also being willing to say, "Okay, I do want to open things up. I do want to score and go up and down the ice. So I I think it was a balance there. I don't know if he's going to maintain that, you know, we don't get pushed around stuff in Vegas. I think he probably will. Um, But the first thing I think of is just he was willing on a team that had been about physicality for so long to be like, yeah, we have better players than you. So we're just
1: going to outscore you. Coming up next, uh, we'll be talking about. We'll get questions from Joe DiBiase of uh, Lockdown Sabres. He'll be asking us about VGK. Stay with us. It's a big day in Buffalo and for the Vegas Golden Knights as the win streak's at eight. They try to extend it to nine to match the jersey number of Jack Eichel. So corny. <laughs> Back with more to this on Lockdown Golden Knights. You love that, Tony, don't you? <laughs> Our next partner has a product that we uh, we absolutely use every day. Uh, It's Athletic Greens, and we utilize it because we don't have the time, especially here in Vegas, Chris with his family, me with my bachelor pad, whatever. Uh, We need a lot more energy. I don't know where that came from, but just stay with it. Uh, Now, I've been using uh, Athletic Greens for about the last six months, and I absolutely love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste. I actually look forward to taking each and every day. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, adaptogens, probiotics, all that. Special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. We send it to some friends. It is lifestyle-friendly, and they use a lot of the best products based on the local science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Um, The importance of it, they have multiple uh, vitamins in there, multivitamins, Uh, tons of people take it uh, each and every day, and it really is good, and it costs a lot less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. There's a lot of testimonials about it, just Google it, as they say, right? And to make things easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs on the first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golic in Las Vegas and in Buffalo joining us today. And we really appreciate it from Lockdown Sabres. We have our good friend Joe DiBiase and Joe fire away with questions that you might have for us about the Vegas Golden Knights.
0: I mean, I've got to start with Jack, right? I got to start with Jack Eichel. Sabre fans are still very interested in uh, in what he's doing over in Las Vegas, trying to evaluate the trade a little bit. I kind of want to start with the trade itself. Um, What's does it feel like? the golden Knights and Vegas fans feel like they're getting everything that they wanted out of that trade. And also well, uh, maybe thinking about, you know, the return, cause giving up Alex Tuck was not nothing, but you know, h- how do they feel about the trade itself at this stage?
2: Um, I think Tuck was a cornerstone of the Vegas golden Knights since uh, joining the team, a couple games into uh, our first season in 17, 18. So that's the first thing I would uh, start with. And I mentioned earlier, Alex Tuck, in my opinion, is one of the hardest players in the NHL to stop or slow down when he has a full head of steam coming through the neutral zone. He was probably the only player that we had that really could turn a game on end, um, but not nearly to the level of Jack Eichel. I think the most important thing with Eichel is he can single-handedly Take a game and say, I'm going to win this game for you guys, or I'm going to get the big goal to tie it up, or I'm going to just find a way to lead, you know, just follow me boys, I got you this game. And that's something that the Vegas Golden Knights have never had going back to season one. Like I said, Alex Tuck was kind of developing to that. And he did did a remarkable job, especially in the playoffs multiple times but not on a consistent basis. So, you know, Jack Eichel, he's definitely uh, the difference maker. Uh, You saw it in in the overtime game the other day against uh, Winnipeg, just that goal with four or five seconds left. Just uh, He has this thing, right? I'm sure you can uh, jump in any time here, but he goes behind the net. Then he goes back to the blue line. Then he goes back down the boards. Then he goes behind the net. Then he goes to the blue line and then he makes a great pass or gets a great shot attempt. And he does that multiple times every game. And me and Tony have alluded to, we were concerned. And I think that concern is gone now, but we were concerned about other players being able to keep up with him and being able to accept that pass. And that was a concern when we let Matt, Max Patch already go for future considerations. We can talk about that in another show, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he was our best finisher we had ever had. And, you know, those two together would have been a dynamic duo, but
1: Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone are doing just fine with him. And you know what else, Joe, too? Uh, He's really improving, surprisingly. I mean, some people might think that he's, you know, reached his peak, but especially on the defensive end. And Bruce Cassidy talked about it the other day with his first and second steps and getting the puck out of the zone and starting the break. He's very much improved there in that area. And when we talk about this trade as well, Remember, uh, Chris, you recall that VGK, the the last piece to this trade was Peyton Krebs, and VGK mm-hmm. did not want to part with Peyton Krebs. That that, and that then was they finally the, decided to do it. That, that was, was the hiccup the for, for three months. Yeah, yeah. and it, it went on for a while. Yep, for sure.
0: Yeah, I I always wonder about the timing of that because if you remember back, Eichel went on ESPN that day of the trade, and he said, I think he told the Sabers a day before, two days before that he was going on there. And that was probably something surgery related at the time. I'm sure like just to kind of air his grievances about
2: campaigning a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, on that front, neck, neck wise, it, it sounds like there's been no hiccups since the
1: surgery. No. Nah. No. Nothing. No, right.
2: I mean, I remember um, actually Tony and the the one of the podcasts we listened to over the summer where McPhee went on uh, up north with the, some of the Canadian uh, people. Those are he the only mentioned people there's he a couple speaks
1: to. he never speaks to. No, that's fair. Military. Also, that's that's okay. fair. Also,
2: maybe he'll talk to me one of these days. Um, he has talked to me, but off the record. But anyway, moving forward from that, um, he there's there was concern right the first couple of games. He took a couple of good licks in his first couple of games back, and mm-hmm. McPhee was concerned. But really, after two or three games, it was. It was really business as usual as far as his health goes. And unfortunately, yeah. dude broke his thumb uh, like six or seven games in and right. he didn't miss a game. I mean, like I've, in my, my everyday living, <clears throat> you can see my desk over here. I open packs of hockey cards and sports cards for people and I send them out. And imagine not having your thumbs to do something like that. Yeah. Now imagine not having a good thumb to shoot a 90 mile an hour wrist shot or a slap shot or yeah. a face off. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable.
0: Yeah. So how, how is he fitting in? Like, what, what is the utilization like? Because I'll look at the numbers and I'm not watching them every night and I'll see, oh, wow, he's playing less than 19 minutes a night, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm no, just saying it's different else. because
1: he's, he's been efficient, he, yeah. Joe. He's been absolutely efficient. He scored one goal on two shots in Toronto and his second shot was a high danger shot. He's become more of a complete, I think, in team player under Bruce Cassidy. Chris, anything else to add? No, I mean,
2: um, I I definitely agree with that and uh, no disrespect on the Buffalo side, but there is a different level of talents around Jack Eichel also. I mean, there's really – two very strong lines that can score goals and then obviously our line four is doing wonderful things and line three is kind of there so he has a lot less pressure on him which I think is yeah. helping him and you know we're talking a little bit about kind of his attitude and stuff and you know he's he he actually has a fun side that I, I didn't see Tony I'll go back to the baseball the game, game. Over the summer the, the, the softball game where Ryan Reeves landed in a walking boot after the game but he did a cartwheel after he hit a home run like that's not a Jack Eichel thing. He just did a cartwheel coming in. When one of the days, I'm going to ask him if he's ever going to do that. When I get my credentials for uh, the games next week, I'm going to ask him if he's ever going to do that in uh, on T-Mobile Ice. So what do you think? Will that get us invited back, Tony? <laughs> <Good> <laughs> there,
0: was a, there was a hula hoop gift that used to float around Sabres Twitter for years and years that I don't I haven't seen in a while, but there there was that side to him for sure. Um, I yeah, cause that's that's a good point because I I thought about that when you said that earlier about like. He's not really being asked to like, you've got to, or he can, you said he can right. like put the team on his back and carry them in Buffalo. He had to put the team on his back and carry them or like they weren't going to win. And it feels like Vegas has the right setup where, you know, if he, if he has an off game, it's not, Oh, it's an automatic loss, which is kind of how it used to be here.
2: Was, was he ever used in the PK in Buffalo? Cause he's been getting a lot of PK time here.
0: At, at the end, I think the last, the last year or two he was in Buffalo, he, he started to, yeah. Because you think about it, his reach, right? Like his stick, he uses a longer the longest stick.
1: He's got the longest stick in the NHL, let's face it.
0: Right. So even in that, he doesn't need to be diving to block shots to make an impact. He could stand where other guys stand and be bothering the guy with the puck more than anybody else does. So, no, I, I he started to do that a little bit towards the end. Um, what about the goaltending situation? Because that was one thing that... <laughs> yeah. Like Saber fans that would like hate watch the Golden Knights a little bit at the end of last season, and then they see Robin Leonard's out for the year. And it's well, isn't that what kind of got them beat at the end of last season? Was the goaltending. So how have they maintained that position and how does that look going through the rest of the year?
1: Let me let me start off with Robin Leonard, of course. Uh, right now he's had one hip surgery. He's awaiting his second hip surgery, he had knee surgery and a shoulder surgery. Uh, Chris and I both agree that we don't think he'll ever play for VGK again. I don't oh, wow. know how he's going to come back from all those uh, injuries. And then, you know, Logan Thompson has just been spectacular in that. Um, and part of the reason why Thompson and Aiden Hill, the backup goaltender right now have been so they're doing so well is because of the defense in front of them. Bruce Cassidy has really done a great job. And John Stevens, special teams coach, uh, and the more or less defensive coordinator, if you will, uh, they've done a great job in clogging up the middle playing uh, the defensive structure very well and making sure that opponents don't have players just standing there in front of the net. That was part of the big problem uh, that they had last season. There were a ton, of, a ton of deflections in front of the net on goals and things, and uh, Logan Thompson is very athletic. Uh, he just comes up with a lot of big saves. Mark andre Fleury took him under his wing when he was here in Vegas, and it's made him a much better, a better goaltender, But there is, you know, it's not a VGK season unless there's a hiccup or some controversy or something. And now they have a third goalie, Laurent Brossois. We call him Brossois here in Vegas because he is a bro. And, you know, he was down in Henderson for conditioning. Now he's back up with the parent club. He's on IR. Cassidy doesn't want to play with a three-goalie system. We don't know where this is going to be going. They have too many goalies right now. Aiden Hill, I think, is a huge surprise for Chris and I. He just got shelled in the preseason. Chris, your thoughts, too? No, I mean, like
2: you said, Tony, there is a goaltending drama situation building right now. And um, I also cover the HL Henderson Silver Knights out here, Joe. And I was at Brassois of uh, both of his starts over the weekend. And he played on Saturday night. It was a fine game. I mean, a lot of odd man rushes, four goals given up. You can't really put any of the goals on him. It was It was just a good, you know, get back on the ice type of start so fast forward to tuesday night the silver knights at the time were 2 and 8 welcoming the 3 and 7 san diego gulls the final <laughs> score of that game 7 to 0 san wow. diego Bressois was unfortunately pulled uh, after the first period and i thought that was kind of strange i asked uh, coach vivro's that's our hl coach about you know why he got pulled he felt he was just getting shelled and you know, thrown to the wolves and nothing more, nothing positive could have come of keeping him out there, but his conditioning, pardon me, folks, his conditioning stint is over now. So now he has been called back up to the golden Knights, but he still remains on IR. I don't know how this nonsense works. Uh, Tony will definitely get going anytime here about the salary cap and the the salary cap roulettes, not gymnastics. This is Vegas. So we do salary cap roulette out here where we juggle things. And there's believe it or not a path where Logan Thompson might go down to the AHL from time to time to clear the path for Bressois to get some starts. It would only be on paper; he's not going to play any games. But still, I just can't imagine this fan base flipping out when they see Logan Thompson sent to the AHL.
0: Right, <laughs> when he might not even actually like this happened. This would happen here, where a guy gets sent down to the minors and uh, he doesn't even really leave the building; like he just
2: stays in the building. Well, they got, got the tweeted paper. out and actually. put it out there that it happened and stuff. Yeah. And- yeah, so th-
0: that that was my final question. Is about like one: Are there any other holes on this team? And two: If there are, like, they have zero cap space—at least a at cap friendly. They got like um, seventeen
1: bucks, seventeen dollars <laughs> to spend. Yeah. <laughs> and do you guys? Uh, Buffalo's got a ton of cap space, correct?
0: They are. They are sometimes struggling to reach the cap floor. Honestly, um, I what mean, that's going
1: know what to do. Are they just waiting for the trade deadline? add more pieces. What do you think their plan is?
0: I, th- Patrick that's,
1: Kane, let's go. Patrick Kane.
0: I think don't rule that out after the year. They would never, do, I don't think they would give up an asset for him. Rangers and, and then and then
2: Sabres Rangers, then Sabres, something like that.
0: Yeah. Go, go somewhere where you can win a cup right now. And then after the season, um, maybe the Sabres will be in on that. I could see them being in on it, but not in the trade. I It's something like that. I think they would just hope that their young guys earn bigger contracts. I mean, they have the youngest team in hockey right now by a wide margin, and that That's is with as with Craig Anderson on the roster, who's like fifty years old. I'm not even <laughs> exaggerating by that much. Um, and I think they're just hoping that a lot of these entry level contracts develop into bigger deals. Dalene's going to need a new contract after next year. Uh, Owen Power will need a new con- will need a contract at some point. So, I think they'd like that to happen organically. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, like they're trading for Ben Bishop, who's retired, so that they, they can get that cap head on their books. Uh, they did that last year with Johnny Boychuk, who hasn't played in the league in like five years. But they, this is something the Coyotes do, right? Like the Coyotes trade for Chris Pronger six years after he retired. So I think in the short term, they're doing that, which means. No, I don't think there's any bad blood between these organizations. If Vegas needs some cap space and they want to throw a, a mid round pick the Sabres way at some point this year, the Sabres would be open to that. But that was my question is, are there even any holes? Because if there are like, I don't know, do can they do anything to address them mid season? There's, there's a nice
2: Owen power, uh, clear cut rookie card we pulled last night. Ooh, actually. Love pretty, that. Cool that. Oh, yeah. right. um, I'm sorry. I got to get a little, little shameless plug for myself there. <laughs> um, Line three, I think, is possibly a hole because they're not the offensive output is not there yet. Um, you got so Phil Kessel started on line one with Stevenson. I'm sorry, Phil Kessel started line one, it was Eichel So right? Tony, correct me if yeah, no, Riley Smith, so Riley start. Smith.
1: Oh, Riley. It was yeah. Riley
2: Smith. Um
1: Kessel, Russell, which I didn't like. Eichel. I didn't agree with you there anyway. Right. Anyway. No,
2: I thought that would work out and it kind of did, and it kind of didn't. And then they tossed Kessel back down to line three, which is a fine spot for him. Um Line three is kind of the whole, but that's not unique to the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a trouble spot for almost every team in the league because of the salary situation. But outside of that, I mean, it's, you know, the gravy train with the biscuit wheels right now. And at some point there will be some adversity. There is every year for every single team. And you know, Cassidy does have some skeletons in the closet that could come out at some point involving uh, younger players, FLT and some of our uh, younger you know defensemen kind of slow down a little bit. So that's kind yeah. of what we're not waiting for it to happen, but it could happen.
1: And Paul Cotter hasn't played since uh, the early part of the season. So he doesn't really like to play the young players if they're struggling and he doesn't give them too many chances. We'll return with more. Joe DiBiase is with us. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Back with more on Lockdown Golden Knights after this. Thank you for making Lockdown Golden Knights and Lockdown Sabres your first listens each and every day. For your next listen, make sure that you check out Lockdown Sports Today, the podcast, biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, yeah, we have uh, Shea Weber getting these phantom assist here in Vegas too. So we've got uh, <laughs> our own ghost in the closet, you know, to pick up on what you were saying there, Joe, but uh, let's get into some keys to the game tonight. And for me, I think the top key would have to be special teams. Um, we know that Buffalo is on what a run of seven straight games. Is it where they've scored a power play goal? Yes. And VGK yep. had a shorty ha- shorthanded goal after they worked on the penalty kill. Um, extensively in practice earlier this week, so against Toronto, uh, they had that breakout, the shorthanded goal by Riley Smith. But uh, give us some of your keys, guys.
0: Well, my number one key for this game would absolutely be prevent odd man rushes. The Sabers want to play an up and down the ice style. They want to utilize their offensive skill. That's the system Don Granado wants to play, and they've done fairly well at it. Like they've played top teams recently, where like Carolina and Tampa, those end up being losses, but they are right there with ta- Carolina and Tampa in terms of scoring chances. In fact, those are two losses where I was trying to kind of almost ease fans of don't feel too bad after this game. They have more scoring chances than both of those teams. They, they just didn't, you know, one bounce goes against them and they end up losing games that it feels like they should lose, but they're right there. But both of those games and also the game against Pittsburgh where the Sabres come back and win, they're going up and down the ice. They're trading blows with these teams, these highly skilled teams, but they're giving up odd man rushes. I mean, it's not entirely their fault. They are missing. They were missing three of their top five defensemen. Now they are missing two of their top four. Uh, they got Ilya Labushkin back, but they're missing Matias Samuelson as a top pair guy. They're missing Henry Haryu as a second pair guy. So not all of it's their fault, but those games, their Achilles heel was – Oh, they got a chance, but now it's a two-on-one going back the other way. Oh, they got a chance, but now there's a breakaway going back the other way. And against teams like that, I can get you killed. And I think against a team like Vegas, that's going to get you killed if you give them odd man, odd man rushes all night. So for me, it would be go, go for it. Be, be a risk taker, but do not just have multiple two-on-ones coming back against uh, Eric Comrie or Anderson, whoever starts.
2: That's been. A, I love the story of Craig Anderson letting his kid design his pads. I believe. Yes, I thought that, that was absolutely an awesome story. I love Craig Anderson, everything he's done for the game. Yeah. Um, you're 100 percent right about the odd man rushes because that is a, a big area of strength, if you will, for the BGK. Those breakout passes they are making a very good first pass. Tony mentioned the first and second steps for the forwards once they get that full head steam going. Um, but on this on this road trip, we have also not necessarily played a very good defensive scheme. We've given up a lot more goals on this road trip versus any of the home games we've been having. And I wonder if part of that is to matchups and, and things like that. And we'll kind of see how tonight shakes out. It could be a, it could be a track meet. Um, My keys for the game is not necessarily uh, the hockey side of things. I think both teams need to stay in their lane. I think uh, both teams need to not make this about Jack Eichel, starting with the Vegas Golden Knights. You, I got to think the Sabres, some of the guys might want to give it to them mm. a little bit and, and maybe in a playful manner, but they definitely yeah. know if they can get a hit on Eichel, it'll get the crowd going and stuff like that. But I think both teams need to stay in their lane, uh, get through the first couple of shifts where the crowd's going to be booing and stuff like that, obviously. And just uh, just focus on uh, both sides, both sides focusing on winning hockey.
1: game. Yeah. Joe, is. Uh, I think that the NHL's rigged. Absolutely. VGK <laughs> playing, you know, a team that's in third place, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place teams. Uh, they're going to play against St. Louis' last place team. I think it's rigged. <laughs> Do you agree or not? Uh,
0: I don't think it's rigged because if and it was, they, here, here's teams. why
1: they played. They played three teams You've on back to show, Coming Tony. from you're gonna
2: get us blitzed on Twitter
0: I, and YouTube. I, I love Tony, it, Tony. Tony, here's why. Here's why the NHL is not rigged. Connor McDavid's an oiler. If the <laughs> NHL was rigged, that guy would be in New York City or Philadelphia. Like they would not have sent him up to Edmonton. Uh, so that could just be the lottery, but. I think McDavid being in Edmonton, I can never be on board with an NHL's break take (laughs) again.
1: You know, and here with uh, Alex Tuck, when he was in Vegas, we would call it Tuck luck when things weren't going very well. Uh, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, will they be on the same line tonight?
0: They should be. Those two usually stay the same. Uh, they've done a little bit of moving around with Tuck actually being on different lines. He was with Dylan Cousins recently. Cousins actually did play. I should should clarify. It's usually Thompson and Skinner together. Their last game, though, Don Granado did put Cousins up between Tuck and Skinner and then Thompson down with a different line. So I, I have not seen morning skate yet for the Sabres. I would imagine he sticks to what he had last game, which actually might mean that Thompson and Skinner – are apart but that's a very new uh phenomenon because those two have been together for over a year uh on the same line so are you gonna
1: have a, are you gonna have another big poll for us today on your twitter handle did you
0: see that one i it must listen. have gotten
1: like ten thousand people like voting what what was that one again
0: tony tony looks like he didn't see it i was just trying to I gauge it.
1: no 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 i saw it or
0: not tony chris uh, chris, chris is, yeah yeah this is looking like he didn't you see were it. trying
1: to gauge it i was trying Jack to Heiko gauge rate.
0: Yeah, like how much are how much negative energy is still in the fan base about this? So, my, my Twitter poll was this season the Sabres make the playoffs, but Jack Eichel and the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup. I like are it, you, I love it. Already. Are, keep going. So my keep question talking. was, are you signing up? And you know, obviously, I'm gonna have like a 99% of Sabre fans as my uh, as my my followers here. So, uh, are you signing up for that? And yes, did win, but it was only 55%. 45% of people out there are saying, no, I don't want the pl- the longest playoff drought in NHL history to end because I don't want to see Eichel win the cup that badly. There's a lot of negative energy. How many people
1: dust. voted, though? I saw like a huge number there.
0: Uh, like 3,000 <laughs> voted. So we're talking <laughs> man, about
2: like. Man, this is big time. I'm, I'm uncomfortable about... now.
0: 12, 1200 Saber fans,
2: like <laughs> votes, 50 votes. Well, Joe, our, thanks uh, so
1: thanks again for joining us. We appreciate your <laughs> well, time. thanks for carrying me, boys. We got through it, we got through it's it. It's been a <laughs> lot of fun, and uh, I know you'll be there. I hope that they don't, you know, cheer or root up in the press box like the media does here. They, they I know you don't, Tony. You, you might be booing. Okay, but, exactly, was, let
0: me let me throw one last little thing here in at the end. I, it. I do wonder, I'm very interested to see how much Eichel will play into it. He didn't really do it on the ice last year. And the only reason I say that I wonder if he will is when they used to play the Maple Leafs. And ter- the thing about Toronto is they'll come in and they'll fill up the Sabres arena, even when they're good. Cause they just, they spend a, a billion dollars on tickets and Sabre fans. Like you're basically paying for my season tickets. I'll give you one game. Leafs fans would come in. They'd fill the place up. And Eichel would always go after him. And when I mean go after him, I mean like he'd score a goal. He'd skate up to Leaf fans in the first row and he'd tell them to sit down. He would do stuff like that. So I'm just a little curious. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that he shouldn't do that. I think actually... I'd like to see them play up the rivalry a little bit. Be, be the supervillain. Lean into
1: it.
2: It would um, be a lot of fun. Take us home, Tony. Run. Take us home quick. All
1: right. Thanks <laughs> again to Joe DiBiase, Lockdown Sabres, for Chris Golick, Tony Credasco from Las Vegas. We'll see you again tomorrow on Lockdown, wherever you are.